excited. My name actually means joy, where my root comes from. My, my real name is Simha. My Jewish name is Simha. Oh. Okay. The joy. <laughs> uh, so at the time of Advent and everything else, we, we, we talked about hope, we talked about love, and today we're talking about joy. And, and we hear this over and over, I think, like as we talked, when we talked about hope and we and celebration, we, went, we were in Romans chapter 5 when we talked about the rejoicing and suffering, we, we talked about the hope that we have through the Holy Spirit and everything else. We talked about what, and, and remembering that the whole point of, of this teaching right now during the Advent is, is being devoted to the world and how we as Christians, what do we bring to the world as Christians as we, those who have the hope, those who have the love of Christ. And today we're gonna to talk about those who have the joy of the Lord. Um, and how we can share that, and the, we we saw in the, in the video how how they presented that joy is not just this happy feeling, but there's, there's so much more, and, and it's all uh, anchored in the Lord and what we have in the Lord. All right, so the the word that they uh, brought in is is hara, right? Yeah, so the word kata, we, we talked about this a few months ago. It wasn't something we formally talked about during our gathering time, but it was an informal conversation that happened that I recorded on Marco Polo. And then that that recording, that teaching is in our G drive, if you ever want to reference back to it. But we were talking about spiritual gifts and, and the word that came up is actually not that we're given spiritual gifts, but the word is charis which is very similar uh, in root, and it can be, the, the word means grace. So when we say that salvation is a gift from God, the word there is charis. When you receive gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word is charis. So it's, it's grace. Uh, so there's a connection between grace being a gift. Uh, and, and it's interesting that as we prepared and as we studied, that the word for joy is that same root and it's kind of like the picture that you would have of a kid at christmas right there's this anticipation of christmas morning and coming out and finding all the presents underneath the tree so the the sense of excitement that you have when you receive a gift right that's that sensation that that wow moment that aha that that's joy so we we get it in the sense of if, if you can paint that picture, but in, in the Greek language, those words were that closely connected, that gift and joy, that you recognize that, that to even have joy in life was a gift. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we're entitled to. And this is important because in our cultural context, you know, in, in the United States, we're one of the wealthiest countries, you know, we're, we're founded on, right, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we actually treat it as if happiness is a human right. We, we treat it as if the basic norm of, of humanity and of our life should be a state of happiness, right? The pursuit of happiness. So our job should make us happy. Our spouse should make us happy. Our kids should do what they should, you know, they're supposed to do to make us happy. Uh, that, that a good life is a happy life, right? Even the happy wife is a happy life, that's what I'm saying. 
But happiness and joy are not the same, first of all. And secondly, biblically, there was not an entitlement to being happy. There, there isn't an expectation that we deserve happiness or that happiness is the norm. In fact, the understanding, the frame of reference is that we live in a broken, fallen world. And the point of normal is sin and death and war and sickness. That is normal. So we don't, anything that would bring us joy is a gift. It's not something we deserve. It's not something we should expect. It's not the norm. And it's hard for us to kind of make that shift because we're so culturally entrenched in the North American context where the media, music, everything around us, you know, marketing, advertisement, just culturally, it's like, well, you, you deserve to be happy. You have a right, right? This is like, so to shift from that understanding and say, no, I don't, the norm of life is actually hard work, struggle, right? And, uh, there's a, there's a saying that came to my head, but it just left. It was, uh, it'll come back to me. So if we understand the, the connection between joy as a gift and, and the common bond with that is grace, that we understand that the moments that we have of joy in our life, the things that give us joy, if our spouse brings us joy, if our children bring us joy, if, if we receive some sort of healing from the Lord, if we receive financial blessings, those things can all be a source of joy, but the ultimate source of joy is the Lord from whom the blessing came mm -hmm. because a gift came from someone. So ultimately the source of any joy that we have in life comes from God. And this is really important because when you follow the trajectory of the word joy through scripture, especially in the new Testament, right? The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. So joy comes from the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. Throughout the scripture, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, in Acts 13, it says they went away filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. So there's a consistent pattern that if you don't have joy, it's because the presence of the Holy Spirit is not there. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, when the Holy Spirit is present, joy is a marker that separates us from everybody else. That if you have joy... That's why, that's why scripture says rejoicing in sufferings, right? We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Paul says, I can rejoice even though I'm in chains mm -hmm. because his joy was from the fact that God is with him, right? Emmanuel, God with us. That's what that word means. The, the angels say, I come to you with good news and tidings of great joy that Emmanuel has come. God is with us, right? Mm -hmm. So that's as a Christian we don't, you know, like they said, turn your frown upside down and act happy when, you know, we've lost loved ones or different things. You don't deny your circumstances. Like Paul wasn't like, these chains mean nothing, you know, <laughs> nothing can hold me back. I want my best life now. No, he was like, I'm, I'm a prisoner and suffering in chains for the cause of Christ. And yet I can be content in all circumstances, right? So you recognize that, that your situation has hardship but there's joy. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to understand today is then what is joy? Like what is that gift? So it comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
but is it, it's not being happy and it's not based on our circumstances. So where then do we get joy? What does joy look like? What does it feel like? How should we, how does it play out in our lives? So we're going to go to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to unpack some of the teachings of Jesus that he had around what should be our source of joy and what joy should look like. Sorry, I was just kind of thinking about the, this, this, uh, which we're talking about, Paul, uh, started to remembering how in, uh, when uh, Peter and John is preaching and then they get beaten for preaching mm -hmm. and they come out rejoicing. We, they were worthy. They were worthy to suffer <laughs> for the gospel. Wow. Wow. Like, that was the joy to them. Like, man, wow. we're doing something right for the Lord that, that people, and I was, I was looking in, uh, in John, in John, it says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So they're like, man, they're they're doing, we're, they're, right. they're not liking it, what we're saying, what we're saying about the gospel. So, wow, we're actually doing something right for the Lord. So it's just one of those things. Not that yeah, we're trying it's an to, irony. Yeah, it's definitely an irony. It's not that we should be looking like, oh, we got punched in the face. Awesome. <laughs> I'm doing something right. So definitely <laughs> not in that matter. So yeah, so we want to get, uh, get into Luke 15, and it's it's three parables about the lost, uh, and there's going to be this thing. So so Trish kind of talked about the chara, the joy, and what the joy comes. Chara, yeah. I'm sorry, thank you. I knew I was going to say chara. Uh, and then we're going to look at the what is lost, and the lost for the the Greek word here is apolumi, mm -hmm. and apolumi. It's it's interesting. It doesn't just mean lost; it means destroyed. So when we talk about something that is lost, it's just totally broken and taken away, uh, utterly destroyed, kind of, mm -hmm. kind of one of those things that when, when we look at these things, as we look at the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, we, we, we see this uh, separation. There's a finality to it. It's not yeah. like, oh, I misplaced my keys. Mm -hmm. The word for lost in these stories is like we thought it was destroyed. Like mm -hmm. the lost sheep. Was it eaten by wolves? Was it, there's a sense of finality with the lost coin. Did someone steal it? Like I'm never getting it back, but yet they keep searching. Yeah, exactly. And, and with, with the, the lost son, it's one of those, he left. He, he, they said his goodbyes, but yet the father kept on sitting, waiting for him. He was watching come back. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll go around and um, I'll do the intro and then uh, Amy Joe, if you can do the lost sheep, and then um, Sandra, if you can do the lost coin, and then if you can do the lost son, that'd be okay. Mm -hmm. So let me introduce it because this is an important aspect of it. Uh, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, "This man welcomes sinners and eats with them." And it's an important aspect of it why he's saying these parables. He's saying these parables to response to them being. Um, upset that he was eating with sinners. That is what why we have these parables, this teaching. Okay, so keep that in mind. It's because of sinners coming to the Lord. All right, go ahead. Okay. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leaving the ninety-nine in the open country 
and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep that, or I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. One point, Jesus told the people another story. What will a woman do if she has 10 silver coins and loses one of them? Won't she light a lamp, sweep the floor and look carefully until she finds it? Then she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, let's celebrate, I found the coin I lost. Jesus said in the same way, God's angels are happy when even one person turns to him. The parable of the lost son, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the, your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He has lost. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed and fattened the fattened calf because he has uh, back because he he has him back safe and sound. The other brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaying for you, and you never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you will kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. So a couple of things that, that I want to point out on this, of, of the ways that we're, we need to rejoice. First of all, God is doing the work. God is the one who reconciles us to him. God is the one who reconciles those who are lost to him. And the, the shepherd... It's God who's going out there looking for the sheep. In the, in the lost coin, it's God is, is the woman who's searching through the house looking for the coin. In uh, the lost son, it's God is the father who looks ahead looking 
for the sun to come back. So it's very important aspect that that's one of the things that we get to rejoice that God is the one who's doing all that. The sheep didn't do anything deser deserving. The coin, well, coin is coin, <laughs> doesn't have to do it. And even, even the son, as we can see, the son didn't come back to the father because he loves the father. He came back to the father because he was hungry. And the father was still okay with that. That, that, that is, uh, I don't have my, my point. Yeah, there's a quote that, that we read yesterday that really messed us up, but it, it was just one of those uh, quotes that are really, you want to read Yeah, it? it's by Rich Violas. He said, in the Gospel of Luke, the prodigal son doesn't return home, return home because of a renewed love for his father. He comes home simply to survive because he ran out of money and is starving. And the father is perfectly fine with that. Just come home. God mm. wants you home. Yeah, it's it's the it's this God doing everything. You don't need to need to come to him and like as you can see, his son is coming back to be a slave. What he's doing, he's like, I'm just gonna be obedient to you now. I'm not coming back because I love you because you're my father or anything. Like he's coming back and just saying, I submit. I submit to you. And that is enough for God. That is a reconciliation that he's looking for. And as we go into it, we'll, we'll talk more into it. But that is one of the joys that we have is that God is coming after us. God is coming after us. God is the one who provides the way. God is the one who's looking for us. Um, and that is, that is the joy that we have in the Lord yeah. in that aspect. We don't have to go find the lost sheep. We don't have to go find the last guy. Yeah. We don't have to go after the prodigal. Which again, it's interesting that we talk about the story of the lost sheep, but when it comes to this, the story of the son, it's the story of the lost son, but we all know it as the prodigal, which puts the placement on a judgment on mm -hmm. the son, right? Because the word prodigal is someone who wastes and is reckless. And mm -hmm. so we, we define the story according to all the things that the son did wrong. And that's exactly what the older brother does, right? But the story is actually about the lost son, not about what he did but about the fact that he was lost and that he comes home yeah again it's it's the whole point of this parable is for, for jesus to go against the pharisees talking about how how could he bring sinners into right. his presence and he's like no they're lost they're they're not they're they're, they're not uh, those who are kind of against me those are the ones that I'm, I'm looking for the second thing that, that really hit me as we're preparing is that a lot of times when we're looking at this, we we look at where the where the shepherds that need to go look for the ninety nine, right? Where where the where the woman, like we put on us. Well, we need to realize we're the friends. We're the friends that when God finds that sheep, He calls us and and be like, "Hey, rejoice with me." another one has come back home mm -hmm. and it goes over and over with the lost sheep it says then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says rejoice with me i have found my lost sheep and we're going to rejoice here in the world same way as in heaven it says there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons mm -hmm. so we get a chance to do the rejoicing and finding joy of what god is doing here on earth the same way there's joy up in heaven so we get to be part of what uh, of uh, the work that that god has already started and it's the same thing with the lost coin 
with, with the lost son, that's that's where the challenge kind of comes in because a lot of times we're the older brother. Mm. We're the older brother and and God, Jesus is teaching him this thing is that, is that yes, you've been part of us. Yes, everything else, but don't feel the jealousy. Don't feel the anger. You are with me. He says, my, father, uh, my son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours, but we have to celebrate. He's teaching that when sinners come around, when sinners come to the Lord, when sinners come to the church, when sinners hear the gospel, that when, when, when there's conviction, when the Holy Spirit penetrates and we celebrate, that's how we find joy in all this, is that we get to celebrate with God of what God is doing, not what we're doing, but what God is doing. That's the great aspect. When, when we were saying the joy that we find is when we get to see God revealed. Not only in our lives, but the lives of others. And when we sing something like Amazing Grace, right? That song, we, we've known it so well, but it, it has a different meaning. It's that I once was lost, but now I'm found. First of all, loss is, is not just I, as I said earlier, the misplaced keys. I was condemned. I was I was in sin's grip. I was I was on my way to hell, and and God found me. I didn't find God. <laughs> God found me, and and He redeemed my life from the pit. He redeemed me from the grave, and that is something that should bring so much joy. And then as God continues to reveal Himself. Like I rejoice as you find freedom and as you find freedom and then you find freedom that, that the son gets to experience the love of the father. Because again, as we said, the son comes and it's not on love, it's survival. Mm -hmm. And when we first write, we, oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. When we first come to Christ, and this is where we also get it, because we want people to love the Lord and we want them to come to Christ and accept him with your heart and you know accept Jesus into your heart and everything. We're like, I don't want to love somebody. I don't even know him. Like it's no, you just submit and trust. Trust him as your Lord and Savior. And the love piece is something that we grow towards later. So you just come out of honor and respect, out of faith, out of trust, and you he becomes the Lord of your life. And then we're like, oh my God, he loved me that much. He has been looking for me. I was shaking my fist saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? And he's like, I've been here all along. It's you that was lost. Yeah. And, and to rejoice and find joy as we draw closer to him. But also, we, our greatest joy in life should be seeing when others find that love of God. To, to see when people do overcome depression when their marriages are restored that that as we share the the joy that we have in Christ to see how it overflows into others right because joy is contagious look the, the woman finds a coin and she's so excited she's like come on everybody we need to party you know and 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 that's as Christians what we bring to the world is that we have a joy that overflows that the the presence of the Holy Spirit is so strong in us that the presence of God and the love of God is so strong in us that when we sit with someone and they're like, well, I don't see God. I don't hear God. I don't know what you're talking about. Does God even real? And you're like, oh my gosh, 
He's amazing. Let me tell you about his love. Let me tell you about what he's done. Let me tell you about how he helped me overcome my pride. Let me tell you about how he's, he delivered me from bondage to pornography or, you know, whatever our testimony, that's, that joy begins to well up in us and it should overflow. And that's how we bring joy to the world. But it first has to, you can't give joy to the world if you don't have the joy yourself. You can't give something that you don't already have yeah. yourself. Mm -hmm. And it, and sometimes if we don't understand that that joy comes from the presence of God, not from doing things for God, not from that's where the that's the elder brother, right? He's like, I've been slaving for you. I've been doing this, and so we think I'm supposed to find joy in serving in the children's ministry. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to find joy in serving the church, and we're becoming like that elder brother, and and it comes up empty. Like there's no joy here. This is just like. It's just work. Yeah. I have to evangelize and I have to, you know, be there for five services on Sunday and I have to, but that's, we're missing it. The, the joy comes from the relationship, which is what we've been talking about for months. And as we prioritize that, and as we, as we invest into the love relationship that we have with God, right? The fruit of the spirit is love, then joy. Mm -hmm. Once that love piece begins to grow and flourish, there's a joy that, that bears fruit in us. And that joy can then be overflowing and given to others. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to bring to the world. But we can't bring that if it's fake. Yeah. We, and, and sometimes we feel like we're supposed to. And so we have greeters who have the job to smile at church and a welcoming team and right. But it's sometimes it just rings hollow and, and people know that it's not that. And it's also easy to be happy and joyful if you have your life together. And if we fall back on what we said a few weeks ago, where we always feel like we need to be perfect because we're a Christian and so our marriage is supposed to be perfect, our children are supposed to be perfect, then people don't see like, well, yeah, it's easy when you have everything. But do they see you with joy because the presence of God is with you when your marriage is struggling? Do they see that your faith is unshaken when you lose a job? Do they see that you can still worship and have some peace because the presence of the Holy Spirit is with you in sickness, right? That, that honesty and that transparency is where the joy is really revealed. Yeah. And again, I'm going to that being real, God's work being revealed is, is getting, knowing God and to some, like being able to even to listen to somebody and they're like, yeah, man, I, I, I don't even see God. And you're like, you just told me this, this, and this. Like, let's rejoice in this because God is doing something. Or being able to see it in our lives of where, like, man, God is providing here. God is teaching me this here. God is disciplining me here. Praise God that He's that He loves me enough to kind of poke me to be like, hey, you're, you're going the wrong way. And as I, as we're, I was preparing, I was thinking about as, as parents and, and our kids, you, you know, we, we want them to be obedient to us, you know. And... They don't realize that it's you know we would say it's for your own good, <laughs> but they don't realize there, there's there's joy in that. Like even with, with Micah, I'm always like, hey, you need you need to get a good night's sleep, ah oh, man. And it sounds horrible to him, like man, but he doesn't realize through that obedience he'll be a little bit more healthier because he's getting enough sleep, so he's not going to be so grumpy. So he'll pay attention in school, so he'll get better grades. And you know, you see this thing that's happening. One because, day you'll look back and appreciate. Yeah, you know, but you're looking at this one obedient moment of him going to sleep on time, which can connect to all these positive things that 
can happen in his life. And for us, is when we put our obedience under God, and sometimes it's it's a little bit hard. Sometimes it's it's scary to give up the control of everything else. But in that small obedience of here I am, Lord, or you know this is this this is all yours. There's this wrinkle of what God is going to start doing, and as we pay attention, we see the revelations, and we praise God and sit in the joy of that time. Um, it's amazing. Uh, John 15, uh, 9, 9 through 11, it says, As the Father, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So he's talking about this obedience, just how he's obedience to the Father, we're obedience to him. And through that obedience, there's there's fulfillment and there's joy in that. Mm. You know, so again, to, to, to kind of, uh, those are now two words that we really put together a lot of times, obedience and joy. But it, it's, it's the, if we, realize who we are obedient to then we're like you know what he, he knows what he's doing uh, he's been faithful he, we can trust him there's, there's peace behind that and in him right the joy is made complete i think that's that's a huge takeaway is that you're not going to find joy in your ministry calling you're not going to find joy in your marriage you're not going to find joy in your career your children or your success you're going to find you're not even going to find joy in in healing uh as as awesome as that may be it's it's a temporary fleeting feeling the joy comes from the relationship from the the connection to god the father and in this story of of the lost son the father loved both of his sons equally. The father cared about them and invested in them probably uniquely, but ironically, and this is why I think the prodigal son gets a bad rap, the prodigal son knew enough of the father's character that he had the audacity mm -hmm. <laughs> to ask for his stuff and know that his dad was going to give it to him. Mm -hmm. And he knew his father well enough, again, did he love the father? We don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't say anything about that. He's just like, I'm here with the pigs and I got nothing. If I go back to my dad's house, I can survive. It's not because it's like, oh, I really miss my dad and I did him wrong. Like, that's not, no, like, that's that's not what happens. His, his come to Jesus moment is real practical. He's like, I am struggling here and my dad. But he, he knows, he trusts and knows the father's character enough that his his father, he basically said, you're dead to me. And his father had every right to either punish, you know, like criminally punish him or turn him away. He, he basically had disowned the family. But he has the audacity to show up at his dad's house after all he has done, trusting that his father maybe won't take him back as a son, but is going to have mercy on him. Mm -hmm. So he actually had a better understanding of who his father was. Then the elder son, the father says to the elder son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And that's the irony of it is that he was outwardly doing all the motions of obedience, but inwardly he had no concept of the father's love of the father's heart and the relationship was shallow, right? 
He's, he's bitter. He's angry. He's jealous. He's all of these things. Uh, and he, and he misses it. And the father makes that appeal to him. Like you are always with me and everything I have is yours. How are you still, why do you not have joy in that? Mm. And, and that's what we don't want to, to become is that our joy is not in the things. Our joy is in the relationship with the father. Yeah. And because of that joy, how crazy would this story have been if it was different? If the elder son knew the father's character and he's like, listen, and he went after the younger brother, right? And said, listen, you, you messed up and you don't deserve nothing. But let me tell you, dad has been looking for you. Like I'm with him every day. And like, I hear him crying and praying for you and, and we miss you. And we just want you to come home. Like the, the way that the story would have been different. And, and I think there's kind of an open-ended call. Again, God does the work. He's the shepherd who goes after the sheep. He's the woman who looks for the coin. He's the father who's looking out. But how much more powerful of a kingdom mindset is it if we say, I want to have the father's heart. I want to bring joy to my father. And I want to go after my brothers and sisters who are lost. And I want them to experience the same grace and love and mercy that I have experienced, right? And that's the appeal, I think, for joy that we're supposed to bring to the world is that I know that the world is dark. I know that it's painful. I know that you're struggling. I know that you've made mistakes. But let me tell you about our dad, our sky daddy. <laughs> no. Totally kidding. Get out. I heard myself say that. I never call him. I always call him my Lord and Father. But I said the word dad and it made me, it took me there. Totally an inside joke. Sorry. We will not be calling him Sky Daddy. But to say that our Heavenly Father, that he he cares for you, right? That that context of for he he so loved you that while you were a sinner, he died for you. He so loved you that he he has not forgotten you. Um, that's the appeal with joy that we bring, not with condemnation but out of the experience that we have of, and even be able to bring that message, right? When it's like, I, I don't hear from God. I don't, I feel like he's forgotten me. I feel like he's, where was he when I was being molested as a child? Like, I don't understand. I have this trauma and like, and it's like, I, I wasn't there and I don't know, but the Holy Spirit in me, I, I feel is, can I just share the scripture with you? Or because the Holy Spirit will speak to you, right? He'll give you words when you don't have the words to speak. So to be able to be that messenger, that in that dark space, that we would be a light. In that place of depression, we can bring hope and joy and peace. But we wouldn't be able to do that if we don't have that relationship connection first. It's not really convincing if it's just words, but it's not lived out in, and we don't embody it in truth. And that's even why Jesus said, like, love one another as I have loved you. doesn't have to be these grand amazing um, ways of doing things it, it could be as just sharing uh, sharing time together mm -hmm. um, serving one another there is you know it's, it's, it doesn't have to be this huge thing to show the joy of the Lord I think there's a lot of, I, I like you notice this when as we were looking at the lost sheep coin and son would notice the 
lost sheep, it was one out of a hundred, and uh, lost corn, it was one out of ten, and son, it was kind of mm. one for one or two for one I guess one, one out of two it's and it's you know you would think out of a hundred sheep like you lose one it's like eh but it's still it's important mm. that one is important and out of a hundred so it's what it's like when we preach even if we to preach for that one person if we love if we love just that one person mm. through our whole life if one sinner comes mm. comes to the Lord you know um, that's the important aspect of it so we don't have to put that pressure of doing some uh, grand gestures or um, but just re relating our relationship with God and the joy that he brought he brings into our lives mm -hmm. I think that's where the power lays God's power mm -hmm. and we just kind of get beside him right and to to continue to do that for each other once we have reconciled to the Lord and we have confessed that Jesus is our Lord and Savior you know there's times when we do go through seasons and so it's it's important not to just create this line between inside and outside the church right uh, but to do that for each other to bring that message of no remember he loves you like remember when he did this in your life remember when you heard that and you know there's promises that are over your life and to bring that joy and that encouragement to each other to spur one another on in love mm -hmm. I think is is really important because sometimes we're real quick to make that distinction that you know there's the lost that are out there but sometimes we can feel pretty lost inside the church as well mm -hmm. again going to that whole rejoice with us who rejoice and mourn with us who mourn mm -hmm. just being there for them during that time absolutely amen so the question for the day, how do we, let me stop this.